0: Hi folks, I'm Duncan Gill, child and adolescent psychiatrist.
1: And I'm Victoria Lee, licensed clinical mental health counselor, and welcome to Is There a Med for That? The podcast about teen mental health and behavioral problems and what to do about them.
0: Victoria and I have been working for uh, years together with kids. Sometimes we use therapy, sometimes medication, sometimes we give some guidance to parents.
1: And sometimes kids just need to be left alone.
0: We don't have all the answers, but we probably have some of them. We'll do our best to share what we've learned over the years working with struggling kids and their families.
1: We hope you enjoy the show, and we can be helpful to those who have taken on the hardest job in the world, being a parent.
0: Hey, Vicky, how you doing today?
1: Hi, Duncan. I'm doing good. How are you?
0: I'm a little bit sick today, so um, mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to cough all over the mic. and. Hopefully sure. it just gives my voice a little bit of a sultry, gravelly tone.
1: Yeah, I like that way of looking at it.
0: Maybe we'll get more listeners that way.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness, Duncan. What do we even say to the doctor then?
0: How about we talk about cutting today?
1: I think it's a good topic to come up, bring up with parents who might be having some teens at home who are struggling.
0: It's, uh, it's a very common question we get. I get it both. Well, we get it when yeah. kids come in the intake And I'll even have family friends call and say that they found that their kids are cutting. And I don't know if it's more common today. I think it is. Um, I certainly didn't hear about it as much when, when I was a kid. I don't know about you.
1: Definitely not. It was around, I mean, I'm 37 or will be 37 in September. And it was definitely emerging when I was a teenager. It was more like, I think, part of starting to become part of the mainstream culture and not like mainstream kids doing it, but in mainstream um, pop music and that sort of thing, talking about cutting. So it was starting to, I think, become more prominent when I was a kid.
0: How old are you? I'm 36, so I don't (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyways, um, yeah, 36. He is not. Um, Sultry
1: not. Maybe sultry not, (laughs) not 36. (laughs) (laughs) When you were growing up, though, you, were you aware of it when you were a teenager? I actually remember
0: one girl, hearing about one girl, who I don't know if she tried suicide or what, but was, I was sort of shocked by the whole idea. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. But um, definitely more and more.
1: And I was probably, I mean, I might have been a little more edgy than you. <laughs> and so maybe some of the culture I was around, it was more talked about in. or uh-huh. You know, I think of like um, punk rock music or emo. Yeah that sort of culture. I think there was a lot put out in music and, and whatnot.
0: So it comes in often as sort of a presenting complaint, like almost like that's the reason we're here is because my daughter's cutting, for example. And it certainly can feel that way.
1: Should we define what cutting is maybe for parents who aren't sure or? Great. Yeah. So cutting is a form of self-injury, right? And there's We often will say cutting, but there's also scratching or burning, um, self-injurious behaviors. And I've read a lot of articles that will talk about it as NSSI, so non-suicidal self-injury. So when we talk about cutting in general, and we'll talk more about this in particular down the line, but cutting often is self-injury that is not intended to be suicidal.
0: Right, and and sometimes it can be hard to tell which is which, so... I was thinking about it beforehand and I was dividing it into my head into really two kinds. One is the kind we see the most often, which is superficial cutting, which is uh, usually a kid will come in with several, you know, sort of parallel lines, Yeah. Um, sometimes bigger, very often e- even scratches. Um, but clearly not something, uh, you know, medically dangerous, I'd say it can be very upsetting still, but um, so then there's superficial cutting and then, there's deep cutting or more
1: almost like self-mutilation, self-mutilation.
0: And it can be to the point where people are, they're seriously trying to injure themselves um, or kill themselves. And the scary part is telling, you know, which is which, because sometimes it's in between, Mm -hmm. but um, cutting comes in. and, And folks look for a solution and it's really, the problem is cutting isn't a symptom in, in, my opinion: It's not a symptom. It's not an illness. Um, it's a behavior. Mm-hmm. And when you have behaviors, they're caused by all kinds of different things. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit like saying, you know, uh, I have a gambling problem, um, or um, <laughs> you know, all kinds of different habits you can develop, um, or uh, alcoholic. You know, people drink for different reasons. Okay. But the same is true for cutting. So there's no one size fit all. You know, I think th- it's a mistake. There's some uh, sort of therapy groups that are set up or types of therapy that are set up sort of ostensibly just to help with cutting. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because people cut for different reasons.
1: Yeah, I think that is one thing that's very unique about our approach in general is we tend not to lump treatment together based on either like one symptom or one diagnosis. 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 When do you say diagnosis?
0: Diagnoses. Diagnoses. would be multiple diagnoses.
1: Right. Okay, <laughs> great. Okay. Glad we um, cleared that up. <laughs> we tend to have groups where we put many different things going on in people's lives together, and we think that we, yeah, we look at it more like a behavior in general versus really diving into that alone. And we've had great success with that, especially with teenagers. It might be different for adults when things maybe get more calcified and more. Um, the nature of it changes with adults? But I think right. with teenagers, it's really important not to lump them all together all the time with completely like-minded or like, um, like behaviors. Cause there's a lot of trauma bonding that can help, or you can, you know, um, you can, you can get in there too, you isolate it too much.
0: Can you explain trauma bonding? That's a great term.
1: Yeah. So trauma bonding is when, um, you either go through something traumatic together with someone and that experience, pull um, brings you together. You bond over it. It originally came out of war, hmm. I believe. With um, that makes sense. Yeah, in the which yeah right, like you are going through hell on earth together, and there's a bond that comes out of that. And then in mental health, we're often talking about it with. Um, When, say, like you have a past, some trauma in your past, or a bad behavior, unhealthy behavior, shouldn't say bad behavior, but unhealthy behavior, like drinking excessively, and you and I bond over that trauma in our life. And our relationship is based on that trauma. And in our experience, that can, it's not always bad. Um, Sometimes it can be really important to have other people who understand. Right through experience, but there's a lot of liabilities that can go along with that when that is the only reason that draws you together. Right. That's trauma bonding. And I find that if you were to put a group together of just kids who cut, that can be like a a side effect that isn't so great.
0: Trauma bonding, and they can actually reinforce their own uh, behavior and habits and ways of looking at things in unhealthy ways.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, So talking about the reasons for cutting, I think parents often – you said, come in, like, why are you here for, you ask them, you know, what brings you in today? And right. it, well, they're cutting. Um, my daughter, son are cutting. And what are the reasons you usually see connecting to that?
0: So I was going to talk about the more dangerous cutting first because it's shorter and we see it mm. less often, yeah. but it's probably more important. But the sort of real self-injurious cutting, uh, the real dangerous deep um, or suicide attempts, I think, are most often related to biological psychiatric conditions. So bad depression, bipolar disorder, um, schizophrenia. And schizophrenia in, in particular, you'll hear this as we talk about it more, but it can often be very bizarre. It can be not just cutting with self-mutilation, like self-amputation and all kinds of really terrible things. And that looks obviously very different from most of the cutting we see. Another one is trauma. And I really mean kind of serious trauma growing up, really bad abuse, or more often neglect. People can get very serious in their cutting. And of course, anything, uh, you know, suicide attempts can be by cutting as well. Usually, I'd say they're associated with um, real psychiatric conditions, not not always, but Mm -hmm. depression, bipolar disorder. You know, I think... I was thinking about it, and it seems to me, for whatever reason, it is much more common. Uh, if I see a boy who's been cutting, um, I look twice because often it's due to a, um, a more serious psychiatric condition. It's more unusual, I would say. Um, not all the time.
1: Although that's even changing, I feel. Yeah. As gender roles and the current generations are different and changing and. They see it as more fluid. I think there's less. I feel like we're seeing it a little bit more in boys. We are.
0: I actually speculate there's a genetic thing as well. Um, but no, absolutely. The, the social situation's changing. So that's probably, uh, you know, it's more common in both.
1: And when, when you talk about this first class, right, or um, category of cutting, most of these would need medical attention that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. So anybody who comes in, we get kids who've been to the ER because they've been cutting. It's a whole different thing if they've been cutting and they need stitches. Right. So that almost always is a red flag for bad depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD, yeah. something like that. Um, cutting the point of stitches is not It's I don't say it's, it's not normal. It's not normal for super, superficial cutting. Um, but, yeah, medical attention... Um,
1: so there's underlying mental health issues that need to be treated Serious or mental health explored. issues. Yep. And
0: that's the type of places where medication can be helpful because all these types of conditions can be treated very well. Is so, there a med for well, that? I would say there's a med for that in, in some cases. I was going to bring up also there is a med for, for cutting more in general. Sometimes it's used naltrexone, which is actually an opiate blocker. Hmm. So. Yep. Uh, cutting as it becomes a habit, as, as we talk about, can actually become a little bit of a high, like running or anything else you get addicted endorphins. to. Endorphins. Endorphins. And so they'll actually give naltrexone, which will reduce the endorphins you get from anything like that. So I have seen that helpful on a couple of occasions. Mm. I thought I'd bring that up as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an important piece. Of, like So when you're talking even about the superficial cutting, right? that's one of the reasons that kids might continue cutting is that it feels good eventually, which is hard, like if you aren't a cutter yourself, it's hard for one to maybe imagine. So, because it's self-injury is what we call it, but often it's a form of self-help in their opinion, just like drinking excessively or doing drugs. You don't start doing that shit because you're like, oh, like this sucks. You just start doing it because it's it's self-soothing in some way. Right. And so with a lot of the superficial cutting that we see, it's often begun either Um, to self-soothe, that there's a lot of like emotional dysregulation, Um, how can, um, or to, if you feel numb a lot, to ground yourself. Right. And then um, the other piece that might be a little, when we say it with kids, it can be upsetting, but sometimes it's to get attention. Um, And we don't think attention is bad at all. We think everyone needs attention. It's part of what we need, and how can we find a healthier way to get attention? Um, But that's another reason we see frequently that, Kids cut
0: right. I um, I sort of divided it up. So tell me if these categories make sense, to you, Victoria. I'm messing up his flow.
1: <laughs>
0: Listen, I have very specific points I want to go over here, and if you want to contribute, that's okay with me.
1: That's like his whole life <laughs> view, right there. I just need a supporting
0: cast, really.
1: <laughs> I have a comment for that. that I'll uh, yeah, say off you. air.
0: There's, there's a for that. There's a comment for that. Um, yeah. So, anyways. You probably put it better, Victoria. Honestly, but um, so I, <laughs> <laughs> for superficial cutting, I don't even want to say this anymore. Oh um, come on, you're good. Distracting from emotional pain, yeah, discomfort. Kids will very frequently say, "I cut because I w- want to replace the emotional pain, which is worse with physical pain." Yeah, and definitely for some kids.
1: I bad. was reading an article from NPR, and a professor on there described it like popping a balloon. Like hmm. so, like if like your emotions are mm-hmm. building and anxiety often people feel like it's a release, a tension-building release. Right,
0: which makes sense. Yeah. I mean,
1: makes sense to them. It does. And I think it's important because we talk about our kids and kids in general. Part of understanding the behavior, you don't have to understand the problem or the behavior, but it can be helpful in allowing you to, talk to your kids in a more curious, open, grounded way. Right. Because uh, if you come at it not understanding at all, you can sound like a real jerk or just, you know, like your kids are going to shut down potentially. But if you can come to the conversation about this, if you have a child who is cutting or you're worried, maybe they have a friend who's cutting, you um, or just in general, like you want to talk to your kids about it. If you come in with some understanding about it being a solution for some people versus a quote unquote problem, not saying that it's a good solution necessarily, but from their perspective in that moment in their life, it's a solution to something. You can actually be more of a bridge to a better solution versus, you know, a roadblock to them moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have sort of a way <laughs> <laughs> i love when you do moving on <laughs> moving on to his point <laughs> i was actually thinking about adding a different point to yeah. your point but now that we've broken the flow i'm going to move on to the next <laughs> point uh, so we, you we brought this up as well it's often a way of communicating suffering yeah. and it's really an unhealthy way of doing so so
1: this and that could can be go the, with that attention piece too right like absolutely, that yeah. communicating it showing it documenting it
0: Yes, get, getting care for it. So these yeah. would be kids who cut, and then it can be very obvious, like showing their friends or showing their parents, or it can be more subtle, like wearing short-sleeved shirts and making it kind of obvious. But it's really a way of um, letting other folks know that you're suffering. And kind of worse than that, sometimes it's actually eliciting care and getting folks to... Um,
1: Change their behaviors. Correct. Yeah, which sometimes... We're not saying don't take care of your kids because that's important to do, but you don't want to get into a pattern with your kids where that's how they ask for help.
0: Right, and that's how you provide help. Right. it's That can be a very unhealthy pattern. So,
1: And it's easy to fall into, right? Yep. Your, your child's hurt, it looks like, you know, like you want to help. Yeah, it really elicits um, a lot of, yeah, like want you want to care for your kid when they're hurt.
0: This is a classic example of having to walk sort of a middle line of, it's, it's generally a mistake to just reject it and say, yeah. you know, what the hell are you doing type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generally a mistake to go the other way and support and overindulge and that kind of thing. So yeah. it's a very difficult line, line to walk. Yeah,
1: It's like that balance, neither enable nor punish imbalanced mm-hmm. behavior, We're which is get to that. one of our philosophies in our approach to parenting.
0: And there's some kids who cut to fit in. Yeah. There's a social media piece now where kids will actually social cut and then contingent. show completely, right? And it becomes sort of an identity. You're looking for a group of kids to belong to, and um, you know, any tribe, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's sort of trauma bonding.
1: Yep. Yeah, and fitting in or a way to identify with a certain belief or attitude or feeling that your peers have. Um, and this is hard for kids and maybe even some adults um, in their life to – admit right that peer pressure is a real thing and we can use it in a good way um or it can be used in a way that isn't healthy and so i think with you know thinking about it as social contagion so it's what does that mean it's socially contagious and it's documented in research that cutting is something that if you have friends who are cutting you're more likely Mm. to um i think that you there's got to be risk factors present for you already in order to go there, but it does have an influence on you.
0: I was actually going to go back to the previous point about communication. Um, it's also a way to get back at somebody, mm. um, an unhealthy punishment. way to, get to punishment. So you upset me, you left me, you didn't answer my text, you whatever. And this can be you know, very frequently towards romantic partners, mm. very frequently towards parents as well. Yep. So it's a way of... Um,
1: Dysfunctional of communication. Yeah
0: it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's another type of communication.
1: Yeah, or self-punishment is another, um, right. for, I think, reason that some people engage in it. If you've been raised being punished a lot or feeling right. like you're bad, you can um, internalize that and use cutting as a means to express it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. In um, kids who have bad histories of trauma that's probably the driving force yep. is feelings of worthlessness and wanting yeah. um, to self-harm, so.
1: Yeah. yeah, so how would you communicate with your kid or a child in general, a teenager in general, would you recommend?
0: I got a med or I don't got a med. I was going to ask Come you on. the same question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, he often says he's just the doctor, no, but I, I
0: got something. you are
1: good at yeah. all the other stuff, too. I mean, he wrote a whole book on this, and, parenting. Yeah.
0: I, so... Basically, it's, it's acknowledging, it's walking that line between uh, complete rejection, uh, which actually might cause more cutting, yep. um, or complete enabling and indulgence, which also might cut, cause more cutting. Yep. And I guess part of it is realizing that you don't have control. This is what we talked about you last time. You don't
1: have control to gain authority. That's right.
0: You don't have control about whether your child's going to cut or not, and thought we get to whether or not to lock up sharps after. Yeah. But um, ultimately... It's very upsetting and frustrating and scary to have that realization that you don't have this ability to control your child's Mm -hmm. hurting his or herself. Um, So I guess going in with that understanding matters. And that comes across in what you say, probably. Mm. I think it's important to give the message that you really don't have that control, and it's really the child's responsibility. Um, And everything you say needs to convey that message that it's not your own personal responsibility. It's not... The boyfriend or girlfriend's responsibility. It's it's an individual responsibility. Choice. But understanding that it's there's a reason that it's being you know, that it's done and that may be unhappiness, it may be depression or bipolar disorder, certainly makes sense, you know, to seek professional help, probably in most instances. Um, but uh, empathy, um, and and it's just being open. You know, op- open with the fact that you're upset about it, that um, you're worried about them, that you don't really know h- how to help them. But just being, I think, transparent and honest about all these things is, is a huge start. Um, being authentic. Yeah. yeah.
1: Embrace all feelings, guide all behaviors is what comes to mind for me, too, as you're talking about how you'd handle it. Um, embracing the feelings that they have, right. whether it's the sadness, the pain, feeling neglected, uh, wanting to fit in, curious, whatever feelings that arise and embracing your own feelings. I'm scared. I'm sad. um, But then guiding the behaviors together. Okay. So this is the reality of how we feel. What do we think we should do? Where should we go from here? What do you want? Do you want to continue cutting?
0: Right. That's where the cooperation comes in. And we talk about this over and over again is you want to be in the same team as your child with something like cutting, it can be very divisive. It's very yeah. easy to get into a, a battle about it.
1: Yep, power um, struggle.
0: So we try to short-circuit that right away because it may be tempting for a child as well. But to approach it is, hey, what can we do about this? Yeah, and, and some kids will say they don't want to stop yeah. or they don't want to. not
1: ready to. And yeah. unfortunately,
0: you can't make them ready to. That's the hard part.
1: Yeah, and it's very, I think, going back to the giving up control that we talked about last episode – in the moment, you can control it, right? Like you could potentially put them on lockdown, look right. at them for the next 48 hours, right. and it, you you know, could prevent them from cutting theoretically that way. But ultimately, you can't control their desires and wants as a human being. Right. And so it can be very seductive. And again, if we are looking at that first category, then yeah, you need to get your child medical attention yep. and address what's going on there. But if it's the superficial cutting, then we recommend... Being okay with a slow process, which is a lot of parenting, I think, is being okay that we're not going to solve. We aren't necessarily going to solve anything right here, right now through this one conversation. (laughs) Which I think can be, I I don't know about you, with you, Dunk, but I feel like as a parent, I sometimes have to remind myself, because I can go to that. That, like, right now, if I just say this one thing, then this should solve this issue. Right. But our kids aren't developmentally where we're at. Right. And so they're working through a lot of their developmental progression through life. And they don't know everything necessarily we do. And we haven't experienced everything they have. And so they have to work through their organic journey. And so right away, you might not, through one conversation, just stop an unhealthy behavior. But it can be seductive because we feel like we can when we do things like lock up the sharps or, um, you know, put them on watch for 24 hours. And again, all important stuff to do if your child is suicidal or cutting to the point of um, danger.
0: Not only that, but add some kids, even if it's superficial, for whatever reason being, quote, unquote, upping the ante or doing more and more. And if that's their trajectory and increasingly provocative and maybe talking about suicide, that's also a time, even if it's superficial, to go to the emergency room. But in general, these end up being longer conversations and issues. We d- wanted to touch briefly on, on locking up the sharp. Yeah,
1: uh, we have a d- good blog on that too. Which yeah, we d- could d- d- put d- d- a link article. on a, one of our sites to the blog article.
0: So locking up the sharps, for for those who don't know, is this strategy of trying to lock up everything that's sharp in the house, and you know, padlock the uh, utensil drawer and
1: to decrease access the room for to r- objects they could cut with
0: ranges and stuff and while it may provide some short-term sense of security and potential real security, it's not a strategy we usually recommend. I don't, I don't think I ever have. Uh, it's, it's a pretty common strategy, but the, it risks a false sense of security. And honestly, if you need to lock up the sharps to keep a child from doing real harm to themselves, that child needs to be in the ER anyways. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it gives the message that the child does not have control over his or her behavior. And that's not a good message to give,
1: unless it's what's really going on. Like you said, if they are actively right. suicidal, um, but yeah, not. And so, how do parents react to that? When you usually tell them that,
0: so far it's been okay, but they're so used to the opposite advice, which you know is "quote unquote" the safe advice. And it may be safe in the short term; it's not good in the long term because it it can encourage the habit. Kids will find some way to sneak something in—a piece of glass or something. Mm-hmm. And they'll continue to do it. So it's not an optimal, it's not a great solution.
1: Yeah, and I think it can help in a, in the moment maybe feel like, okay, we're safer in this moment. Right. Um, but where there's a will, there's a way, especially in a non-locked unit. Even right. in locked units, horrible things can happen. Yep. Um, but going back to that idea that when there's a will, there's a way. Kids will, we've had kids break objects in the house to cut with, right. or they'll sharpen something like... um plastic thing to cut with use paper clips um and so it becomes this sort of putting energy into a game right versus actually putting the energy into connecting and finding a solution that um, is more teamed up right and it's one thing if your child were to if like say if your child were to come to you or after a conversation together and they were to say hey you know like I feel really tempted when I see the knives out. Right. Do you think we could put them somewhere else? Right. Or you could ask, like, is this hard for you to come in here, see, would it be okay? What, do you want to remove them for a little bit? Right. So if you're doing it in a teamed up agreement way, that could maybe potentially be good yes. and healthy, but it's coming from their, they're in charge of their choices and behaviors and you're working together as a team. You're right. not setting it up versus this is what I want versus what you want. Right. That adversarial dynamic, even when it's very loving.
0: I wanted to just interject something about. I do. I think you you as well feel differently about uh, firearms. Definitely. Uh, meds. Um, it's just a different quality. The whole thing, yeah. and um, o- always recommend firearms. And in cases of concern about overdose and that kind of thing, always locking up meds. It's yep. it's just different.
1: Yep. Yep. Lethal. Anything that um, cutting can be lethal, but it um, guns. Yeah medications can be lethal a lot quicker even by accident yep. um and so we believe it's very important to have those locked up and be kept responsibly in yeah. all cases even when you don't think your kid is suicidal or any of that i believe that stuff should yeah, be held that's, responsibly that's a good
0: point should just should always be yeah i just wanted to get also um before we move on to the next podcast uh, to um the, the habit quality because it like anything else that's done that feels in some way uh, good or satisfying or self-soothing can become a habit and then like any other habit it can be hard to break so you get a habit on top of everything else Um, so um, Victoria can make habits go away
1: (laughs) hopefully right work on the the addiction piece
0: yeah so we will get more into habits later but I hope this was uh, useful information and um We'll see you next time.
1: Bye-bye for now.